This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. We are killing it online. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on WSJS. So glad to have you on this Tuesday Drive, WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where I was on the field at Wallace Wade last night when it was rushed by students and one particular NBA lottery pick, but as great of a win as that was for Duke football. Steve Spurrier was in attendance with many members from the 1989 ACC champs. He's on the sideline. He led Duke to its last top 10 win, fittingly, against Clemson that year in 89. And you could argue last night was the program's best win since then, but for all of that, Clemson was the bigger story last night than Duke. And more specifically, Dabo Sweeney, the story. The all-time great coaches that sustain their success over decades learn to adapt. You either adapt or die at some point. That's what made Coach K an all-time great. It was his ability to adapt over generations, finding ways to relate to players for over 40 years as Duke's head coach, embracing changes like the one-and-done and all that came with that. He was always very forward-thinking till the very end. Nick Saban, the same way with the way his offenses have evolved over the last decade, bringing in Lane Kiffin in 2015 and the types of quarterbacks he he recruited and the types of offenses he's run at Bama, that is adapting. Meanwhile, the coaches who don't adapt, they flame out. And it can even get ugly at the end. I'll refer you to how things ended for Woody Hayes or in basketball how things ended for Bob Knight. As college football changes drastically around him, Dabo Sweeney has arrived at a career crossroads. Either adapt or die. Because last night revealed just how little he has evolved, and Duke exposed it. Dabo, he's refused to go into the portal. That's mainly what we're hitting on here. He's the type of guy that when he offers a scholarship to someone, it means a lot to him. And it's a two-way street in terms of a relationship. He's not the type of coach that looks at that lightly. And it's commendable. We're not going to give up on you. We're not going to quit on you. We're not going to go into the portal and quickly find your replacement if things don't work out right away. And the reason why that worked so well was because Clemson seldom missed on anybody. But... After a while, you're bound to miss every now and then, especially after COVID and that year where you weren't able to bring kids in on visits and tape was sparse and games were sparse. That makes things difficult, too. You know who has used the portal very well, though? Florida State. When you watch them on Sunday, you see, oh, there's a dynamic receiver in Deion Coleman that would have been very nice to have. If you're Cade Klubnick, if you're Garrett Riley, and if you're Clemson, they brought in a running back too. Clemson does not do that. Dabo has refused to go into the portal. It kind of reminds me of Jimbo Fisher a year ago where his offense became outdated. (laughs) He became a dinosaur. And it wasn't until he got called onto the carpet and things were embarrassing and he was exposed before he decided to change and hire an offensive coordinator, and he hired Bobby Petrino. Early results look good, but we'll see how that 
shapes up against Miami when AM goes on the road this weekend. Dabo needs to adapt and he needs to go into the portal because what was laid bare last night in Durham, something I saw being in the building, it jumped out to you whether you were there or watching on television. They don't have dudes, and they've clearly missed on guys offensively. That's why the offense isn't dynamic. Everybody scapegoated DJ Uyangalale. They scapegoated him and Brandon Streeter. But the offense still looks very much the same. So either that's Dabo dictating what he wants the offense to look like to Garrett Riley, or it's not DJU's fault. It's not Cade Klubnick's fault. It's not Garrett Riley or Brandon Streeter's fault. It's the offensive line isn't as strong as it was when they were national championship winners with Deshaun and Trevor Lawrence. And the skill position players on the outside. Sands Antonio Williams, not that good. Like Adam Randall isn't it. You weren't seeing a lot of separation from him or from Bo Collins. Like Will Shipley looked the part. We know he's good, but everybody else, still very much a question mark. What the transfer portal allows for you to do is quickly correct some of those mistakes. So if you know you have a shortcoming at receiver, oh, you can just plug and play. Here's Deion Coleman. You have the tape, high school tape. You have college tape. You know exactly what this guy can be, or you have a good understanding for who this player is and how he will fit into your system. Plug and play, fix a problem, and you're off and running. That's what Clemson needs to do. And it was obvious that they lacked that offensively last night and it's the second straight year and you could argue the third straight year they've been dealing with those same problems now with all that said it's not time to bury Clemson but that hasn't stopped some from doing so specifically and predictably Paul Dabo's dynasty is done uh, what else can anyone say Greeny it's it's really been teetering for a couple of years but what happened last night is simply unexplainable. This is now the third loss out of the last four games for Clemson. And and quite frankly, I, I don't see any upside. They brought in Garrick Riley. That was supposed to be the savior. They had the quarterback that was going to be Trevor Lawrence's uh, wonder kind. And, and frankly, nothing happened. And they, they didn't lose to a Florida State or a Notre Dame or an Alabama or a Georgia. They lost to Duke, which has a very good quarterback, a nice program, nice being the operative word. They have nowhere to go. And, and Dabo's nonsense after the game isn't going to impress anyone. Uh, this this program is is flatlining right now. Shocking take. Wonder kind? It's a good word. Look hmm. it up. Read a book for once, uh, WD. Paul! Yeah. How come it's always ACC teams and Big Ten programs that are flatlining and I don't hear Paul making those takes <laughs> about Jimbo Fisher a year ago and I don't see it when those SEC programs are on the downswing. I don't remember that with LSU and Ed Orgeron a few years ago. It's interesting. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Just maybe. They still ran for 200 yards and threw for 200 yards in the game. They still have a program with incredible resources poured into it. So I'm willing to say that Dabo has an opportunity to adjust and fix this problem. It does seem like a problem that's fixable. So I won't write them off. I won't do the, oh, the dynasty's dead or any of that. They still have won 10 games every year dating back to 2011. So until they don't do that, I'm not going to write off the Tigers in that regard. But I will say they have not evolved, and that's because of Dabo Sweeney, and Duke was the one to expose that last night.
on Twitter at WSDS Radio if you want in. That's where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WD. Your North Carolina Tar Heels. They were a highlight from over the weekend, too. How about it? Doggone three right. games, three nights. North Carolina, ACC football in prime time. North Carolina beating South Carolina where game day was at. Florida State handing it to LSU. And then last night it was Duke upsetting Clemson. ACC football all over the place. But getting back to the Tar Heels, before we turn things ahead to App State, that game's four days away, there is one thing we saw from the Tar Heels last week that we haven't seen since Mac Brown returned. And that's complimentary football. That's the name of the game. Two magic words, boys and girls, that you need to write down. Complimentary football is the name of the game for North Carolina. And this has been the biggest issue since Mac has returned. Not just the defense here. See, this is a misnomer where all the problems are the defense's fault. Now, I will agree that the defense has been a bigger problem than the offense has been, but the larger underlying Overlying, I guess, concern. I guess underlying's right. Is North Carolina's lack to put it all together, to play balance. There have been many games where the defense does the job and the offense fails them, believe it or not. Like, just look at last year how things ended. North Carolina's defense held Georgia Tech to 21 points. They did the job. Still lost the game. North Carolina against NC State the next week held them to 24 in regulation. First overtime held them to a field goal. Second overtime held them to a field goal. Still lost the game. The offense let them down in those games. They held Oregon to under 30. And when you have Drake May, that should be enough to win the game. Saturday was a complete team effort. If you want to talk what complimentary football really is, point to what North Carolina did against the Gamecocks. Nine sacks when they had 17 all last year. The Four and five star kids growing up. Drake May with a couple of touchdown passes. Underrated in the win was British Brooks, the way that he ran the ball. Hey, there is a lot, and they did that all without Tez Walker. When I asked Mac about how the defense was playing, what that could do to lift the ceiling of Carolina football, Mac was the one to tell me, no, complimentary football is what we're looking at. Josh, that we can be good. We've got good players. We've got good coaches. Uh, that's, uh, we, we played better as a team tonight, and our staff worked better as a group trying to help each other. And there was never any panic or anybody mad because there was a turnover or, or we didn't get the onside kick, or, or uh, it was even kill, and, and uh, uh, they, they just played with a lot of emotion. They, they kind of took it uh, as a, um, a challenge to uh, sudden change. Ooh, gosh, we got to go out there and stop them, man, instead of, oh, my God, why didn't we get the onside kick? So we're, we're growing up some. That's what they're doing. And if they can play like that, not just talking about the defense playing well, but the offense and defense working together in concert and having a running game in which a quarterback's not the leading rusher, that's how North Carolina becomes a playoff dark horse because quarterback and coaching, and they've got that, can be a great equalizer. Playing balanced is the biggest thing. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Spend all your time with South Carolina's going to win it because the Gamecocks quietly kind of own the Tar Heels. Here's a deep throw. Wide open receiver. Pace for with the North Carolina touchdown. As 
much as I'd like to say that the ACC is going to have a big weekend, I think LSU beats Florida State on Sunday night. Florida State may have just stuck the dagger in LSU. I think that North Carolina falls with college game day in town. Congratulations to Mac Brown. This will be career win number 100 for him. You should expect that Clemson's going to win and probably send a message to. Everybody's saying this is going to be a close one. I don't know if it is. Riley Leonard takes an eight. It's one of the biggest wins in Duke's football history. Down goes Clemson, 28 to 7. Well, I was right. It wasn't going to be close. <laughs> shut up, Josh. That'll be great radio. Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up when you talk to me. And everybody else for that matter. Three-hour show. Josh Graham, shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, Graham's gambling. That was good. Which is all I want to be held accountable for. My read on the ACC, not so much this week. The ACC exceeded my expectations. The state of North Carolina exceeded my expectations. A week ago, we were talking about how this might be a bad week for the state of North Carolina. Well, 6-1 and one out of the FBS schools. The only one that didn't win were my East Carolina Pirates in Michigan. But at least they covered. Got that going Send for us. Cash up, mm-hmm. Speaking of Sarah McLaughlin, WD apparently just learned in the last hour that that song is from the ASPCA yeah. like, dog, sad dog commercials. I had no idea. What did you know that song from? Did you know I, the song at I didn't all? know it from anything other than what... So, uh, shout out to Carmen here at uh, our studio. Did you just hit the mic? There's a fly on it. <laughs> trying to get it. <laughs> I guess That's you a new got one. it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, no, shout out to Carmen here in our, our studio. She was like... Because uh, I was working on editing that down, and she was like, there's some... Uh, puppies or you know sad uh, puppies sad puppies outside like really because i love dogs i'm like getting out of my seat like about to come see them and they're she's like no this i had no idea that's like the donate 25 cents to help the dogs commercial you know (laughs) no idea it's like one of those commercials that'll show on your television back in the day like late night where oh yeah i remember i used to play video games till like two three in the morning when i was in high school like during the summers yeah I still so like do. if the tv were on you don't know what will pop up like if you're like on comedy central or something it would be like one of those commercials subscribe to this dvd girls gone wild and then the next <laughs> one it'd be like an aspca de- sad dog commercial it's <laughs> what you get like at two in the morning paid it's, programming oh i skip it so fast so depressing i don't know what's worse not knowing that or not knowing that rudy was a football movie yeah this morning you were you know producing with jeffrey and you're going to be with jeffrey in the next week or so yep uh you didn't know what Rudy was. When Rudy came up, what was your response? Is that a dog movie? <sighs> yeah. Dog and I got movie? laughed out of the room. You're going to watch Varsity Blues tonight. I am. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. I'll give it a tip. I'll give it a tip. Rudy, not a dog movie. Now let's get to my NFL playoff predictions. Or I guess these are my NFC division winners and teams from the NFC that will be making the playoffs. So I have the seven playoff teams from the NFC, the set, the four division winners, and we'll do the AFC tomorrow, then Super Bowl picks on Thursday, leading up to our opener that you can listen to on WSGS between the Lions and the Chiefs. Okay, there are two 
coin flip divisions in the NFC. The NFC South and the NFC North. Starting with the South, I thought earlier in the offseason the Panthers would be the pick here. I'm going to go with the Saints. The Saints are my NFC South champs just for this reason. If it's close, give me the team with more urgency. And Derek Carr's a veteran while Bryce Young's in his first year. And Dennis Allen, his job might be on the line while Frank Reich's in his first year in Charlotte. Give me experience. Give me urgency. If it's close, the Saints will win the South with either an 8-8-1 record or a 9-7 record. Make it 9-8 to win the South. In the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings are my champ. This is the biggest toss-up division in the NFC, maybe in the entire league. You can see any of these four teams winning the division. I am not on the trendy, hype Detroit Lions train. Sorry, just can't do it. Not quite there yet. Still a very young offensive coordinator. Still a lot of unproven things there. And plus, usually it's smart to fade the trendy team. Green Bay, you can't really trust Jordan Love just yet. And there aren't a lot of great skill position players he has to throw the ball to in Green Bay. That sounds like a problem to me. While that offensive line is pretty good, and they have some guys on defense I like. The Bears, it's too much too soon. But I do think they could be a year away. I'm going to go with the team that won the division last year and had a really good year, and Kirk Cousins has something to prove in a contract season. The Vikings are my NFC North champs. The team with the best record in the NFC this year will be the San Francisco 49ers. Quarterback doesn't make this offense go. Christian McCaffrey does. And you have a great offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan. They they took a swing on Trey Lance. It didn't work, but before they even traded for Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough to get the job done, and when Garoppolo was hurt, Brock Purdy took them to the NFC Championship game. I think the Niners finish with the best record. Organization and coaching overcome a whiff in Trey Lance. They find a way with Christian McCaffrey at running back and Debo Samuel out there to, to win this division and finish with the best record. And then you got the Philadelphia Eagles repeating as NFC East champs. However, all four teams in that division are so good. They are very good. Here's the problem, though. Every year, WD, there are three, maybe four teams per conference that flip as playoff teams to non-playoff teams, which means there's new blood every year into the playoffs. If you look at your playoff picks and they strongly mirror last year's playoffs, odds are you have to make some changes. And so far, we've got the New Orleans Saints as a new playoff team this year. We need at least two more. I think we're going to get a new playoff team from the NFC East, and it's going to be the Washington Commanders. I like that. I'm a believer in Sam Howe. He's good enough to get the job done. Ron Rivera, you'd be hard-pressed to find bigger Ron Rivera fans than us around here. And that defense is really good. We'll see if Chase Young can finally do something to take that to another level. They like their running backs a lot. They have Terry McLaurin at receiver. There, there are a lot of things I really like from Washington. And then let's not forget about the L.A. Rams. If Matthew Stafford is healthy, and it seems like all reports indicate that he is, we're still talking about Sean McVay here, and we're still talking about L.A. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I am saying they're going to make the playoffs. Again, uh, they are two years removed from, two seasons removed from being in the NFC Championship game. 
or excuse me, from winning the Super Bowl. Huh. Two seasons away from winning the Super Bowl. They're going to get back into the playoffs. So in review, the division champs are the 49ers, the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Saints. The three wild card teams are Washington, the Rams, and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, the last playoff team to get in. Those are my NFC picks. Tomorrow, we'll do the picks for the AFC. Exciting stuff. Ready, set, sports. This is The Drive with Josh Graham. Being that I live in Winston-Salem, I didn't get home till about 2.15 in the morning, but I'm not complaining after the game that we saw, and I'm especially not complaining since I know Steve Wiseman, who joins us from the Raleigh News and Observer and has covered Duke for a very long time, was probably still at Wallace Wade when I arrived back in my home in Winston. Steve, when did you leave Wallace Wade last night, or I guess this morning? Yeah, the cutoff was 2.45, and uh, a couple of us walked out 2.30-ish and around that range. So, yeah, we, we beat the deadline, but uh, I think I got to bed about 5 a.m. I had some more work to do when I got home, including my top 25 ballot, which was due by 9 o'clock. And I knew I had to do it before I went, before I went to bed because I, was, I wouldn't have woken up and finished it. Yeah, speaking of that, we got the uh, top <laughs> 25 uh, uh, poll that just dropped the last few hours. No big gripes with it. I'm looking at yours, and I see that you left Clemson out of the top 25. How difficult was it to keep the Tigers out, who in the overall poll ranked 25th? Yeah, when I first did it, I moved them down to 25. And then I was thinking about it some more, and I thought, this isn't a top 25 team. They're just not. I mean, they've got to earn their way back in, just like uh, – you know, I didn't have Duke in my preseason top 25, right? And even though they came off a nine and four season and they had all these guys back, they hadn't beaten anybody of note, like like last night. They did it, they're in. Uh Clemson, I decided they've got to earn their way back in. They 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 didn't look very good at all last night. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Uh Dabba will certainly agree. And so yeah, they got some work to do. And they'll get their chances. They got Florida State in a couple of weeks. So there you go. Earn it back in. How difficult was it to place Colorado? You had them 24th and they're 22nd in the poll. Yeah, I um, uh, I knew they were going to go in. Uh, I didn't have TCU as high as others. My first poll ballot, I had TCU at 24th and I think they were 17th in the overall poll. So, um, so that win wasn't as impressive to me because of that. Although I watched most of that game. Their offense is incredible. They've got, they've got guys <laughs> that Clemson doesn't have, frankly, we can talk about that. But uh, I'm not sure what TCU is going to be uh, as, as the year goes forward. And Colorado still gave up 42 points to a TCU team with a new offensive coordinator, right? Because their guy was in Wallace Wade Stadium last night. So that caused me to kind of, you know, uh, hold to color in a little bit. They got some more proven to do. They'll have chances to move up in the poll, and, and we'll see what happens. Steve Wiseman with us here. Follow his Duke coverage on Twitter, but also newsobserver.com. You could read his work. Okay. I asked David Shoemate this question in a hypothetical sense yesterday. 
if Duke were to win, it would be their biggest win since fill in the blank. Now that we saw it with Spurrier in the building, just how far back are you willing to go in talking about how big that was? Well, overall, um, like home road, you know, neutral site, whatever. I mean, I think you have to go back to 2013 when they won at Chapel Hill to clinch the Coastal. It's the only time that's ever happened. The only 10 win uh, season in program history was clinched with that win. Um, had they beaten, you know, Johnny Manziel and the Peach Bowl or whatever the heck it was called back then, uh, that would have been different, but they didn't hold off to win that game. Yeah. So um, that one, maybe, maybe the, the pinstripe bowl when they beat Indiana, their first bowl win since 61, that was a pretty big deal for Cutcliffe's team at that time. But as far as like the, uh, Luke DeCock and I talked about this in the press box last night, um, the, the, this is the biggest win in Wallace Wade since, 2012 when duke beat carolina jameson Crowder made yeah. that catch if you remember across the middle that right? really yeah 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 sophomore you know ended up being an nfl player for a long time we didn't know it at the time but uh that would that got that elevated the program to another level they hadn't been in quite some time it got them bowl eligible so that that's the history i'm looking at right now did duke play very well last night you know i was looking at pro football focus and and also you know just from what i watched we saw all the mistakes in the first half, right? The, the turnovers, the uh, the, the buff punt, um, the other fumble down low uh, late in the first half, cost them some points. Uh, so, no, they didn't play a great game. That's that's what's shocking, that they did that to Clemson and didn't play a great game. They didn't pass block very well. I was looking at the at the scores, uh, you know, the, the ratings on, on PFF. And, of course, Graham Barton, who's going to be a first-round pick, had a great game. And Mo McIntyre in the middle of it. Some of the other guys were really poor, you know, pass blocking. And, uh, you know, uh, so there's a lot of, you know, as coaches always say, there's a lot of things to break down on the first film and everything. Duke had a lot of pre-step penalties, right? They had, I think, seven overall, including offense and defense, uh, which you don't want. So, but, yeah, they still beat Clemson by 21 points. So I think that says more about Clemson. I mean, Duke's a good team. I think we can all say that now, right? But, uh Clemson's boy, they're, they've got a lot. They've got a lot of work to do. Wow, they're they're struggling. A Duke coach told me this last night on the field. Um, I said, I asked him. I said, Hey, you, if I were to tell you that you would have a muffed punt that would lead to a Clemson touchdown, you would fumble the ball inside the twenty, you would kick two field goals inside the top, inside the twenty-five, and you'd have an offsides penalty that negated a turnover. What would you say would happen in the game? He'd say. I'd say it'd be decided by three touchdowns. <laughs> the other way. That was very, very well put by this unnamed assistant coach. But uh, yes, I think we all saw that being maybe, you know, 35 to six Clemson in, the, in that scenario, right? Yeah, probably. It wasn't. That's, the world's different. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Is it, is it too soon to start circling Notre Dame, Duke towards the end of the month, or does UConn, Northwestern, or who am I forgetting? Lafayette scare you? The Lafayette Leopards. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, even though Duke's on a short week, uh, you know, that's an FCS team. You've got to take care of it at home and certainly well. Northwestern's a train wreck right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's in Durham, and, right? And then in Durham. Yep. And then they go on the road to UConn and uh, uh, UConn's defense played pretty well against State the other night. Uh, and they were a bowl team last year. I still think. Duke has elevated itself to where, you know, those those are all three games they should win. And they're, they're looking at going, being 4-0, going into that game with Notre Dame. 
uh, you know, it's probably going to be two teams that are ranked uh, unless NC State takes care of something this weekend, maybe, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Ohio but State, yeah, I mean, Ohio State the week before that too. Trap game, for yeah. So trap game. Looking ahead to Duke, Ohio State. <laughs> you know, speaking of Ohio State in the poll, that's who I had to drop out of my top five to or drop top four to fit, fit Florida State in there. So. Oh, did you did you struggle at all with that? Like I I look at that and I thought maybe FSU you put it number one just because of the competition that the top three played, even though they took care of their business. But how do you place the teams at the top? So here's how I did it. Now, I will say Florida State did get three first place votes. So your point is valid and other people agree with you. Um, I knew I was going to put them in my top four. I looked at it and said, okay, Georgia, to me, Georgia's the most talented team. They're number one until they lose. Sure. That's the way it goes. Um, I had Alabama second. I, I agree. I think they're just as good as Georgia this year. Um, Michigan played without their head coach. To his own shenanigans. Formidable but, opponent on the other side, obviously. The East right, Carolina Fighting home. Pirates. So I decided going into that week, if Michigan played eh or lost, I mean, I was going to factor that in because they didn't have their head coach. Now they took care of business. You know, game control was pretty strong for them in that game. And so I, I knew I, I didn't want to punish them. Sure. So I watched Ohio State. That was a good thing about Duke playing on Monday was I got to watch a lot of games on Saturday. And I watched Ohio State. They were only up 10 to 3 at halftime in Indiana. They really kind of bleh. So, okay, boom. That's how it worked. Steve Wiseman, it was good to see you last night. I'm sure I'll be seeing a lot of you uh, over the next few months. Thanks for making the time and um, explaining your rationale with the poll, et cetera. Glad to do it, Josh. Take care. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Last night at Wallace Wade Stadium, with about three or four minutes left to go in the game, I stood out like a sore thumb. So much so that WD was watching highlights of the game and was able to shout at me right before the show started, Hey, I see you. What stands out? You're the one guy on the sideline that's wearing long khaki pants. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Um khakis that was me as that final touchdown run was being sprinted in for the blue devils as i was standing down there somebody else stood out like a sore thumb too and that would be seven foot one lottery pick Derek lively who was among the crowd of students getting set to storm the field he was actually the one facilitating a lot of it Students were getting a little bit too rowdy and getting very close to the sideline and to the field of play, and Derek Lively would get in front of everyone and shout, Chill! Chill! Hey! Yo! One, a buck 45 left to go! Chill! Chill! Stay in a straight line! Dallas Maverick fans would be very excited about the leadership on display from Derek Lively, who was selected in the draft there. Why was Derek Lively at this game last night? I don't know. What else is there for him to do? He's 19. I guess there's a lot of things to do in Dallas, but if you're younger than 21, I don't know how many fun things there are or things that are more fun than going to watch Duke play Clemson on a Monday night. I was going to say, big game. Yeah, big game. Duke guy, fairly recent. Yeah, very exciting stuff. 
So then they stormed the field, and this is something I had not realized until I'm in the moment. I've been to field storming scenarios, like when NC State knocked off Clemson a few years ago. There are a couple others that I were I was at too. Every time you go to a Clemson football game in Death Valley, they run onto the field. Meet you at the Paul is what they call it. How different Paul. The I didn't realize until I was out at about the 20 yard line having run towards midfield, just following the flow of students, that this is the first time I've actually been on the field for a field storming. And a second later, it crossed my mind. I don't feel safe. <laughs> and were you? No. I, I, Derek Lively lost his shoes. It looked like the first scene of Saving Private Ryan. Like, boy. People were just falling everywhere, and a camera person got trampled over, and I'm like, ah! I don't know if it quite looked like that No, scene. I'm saying somebody, somebody <laughs> lost their arm and was looking around oh. for it. Yeah. The whole Shoe, deal. Arm. It's exactly, it's exactly what I it felt like in the moment. <laughs> so, because I turned around, and at this point, I thought it was a good idea to like fight against the people that were sprinting towards midfield, oh, no. and I nearly got barreled over three or four times while being out Whoa. on the field. So, court stormings, which I have been on the floor for, a lot different than field stormings, well, because but- it's a lot more people. In a football stadium. A lot more people, which didn't dawn on me until I was already out there. Well, not only that, for a basketball court storming, there's less ground to cover. These guys have more ground to build up some speed, and they've got more room to get around fast. I'll share this story, too. So I got back home. This is like at 2.15 in the morning. And usually when it's late at night, and I see Willow the dog. Willow the dog's like, <laughs> she wakes up. She's happy to see me. No, she's at the edge of her crate, inside her crate. And she just opens her eyes, looks back at me and goes, nah. And goes back into her crate. Like, not, nah, I'm happy to see you, dad. Jumps up and down. No, no. I'm going to go back into my crate. You woke me up. That's surprising. And then Sarah Bradford, like, half asleep. She's like, who won? I'm like. Duke by three touchdowns. She goes, wow. And then she tells me an amazing story. What? Like she says, oh, I I remember storming the field when Duke beat Clemson. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I I saw Sheldon Williams and Lee Melchione. And this is, again, like half asleep Sarah Bradford at 2.15 in the morning. And then she remembered this entire thing, and we had more coherent conversation when we woke up, but she's like, yeah, I was at the game in 2004 when Ted Roof upset Clemson. And I remember thinking it was so cool that I ran into Sheldon Williams and Lee Malchione. They signed my shirt. How about that? Sarah Bradford was there the last time that Duke beat Clemson nearly 20 years ago for a field storming. Pretty exciting. The most exciting thing in week one though, was no doubt what Colorado did. Deion Sanders taking out do you believe TCU BDOT I want his thoughts on this as someone who loves HBCUs and I'm sure loves the flash and the flare of Deion Sanders and he'll join us next hour to talk about it to me the more I think about it Deion Sanders is the right man for college football right now 
He is a walking, breathing embodiment of the sport's disruption over the last couple of years. What are the things that disrupted the sport? The transfer portal. Colorado has like 50 new players on its roster that were not there a year ago. So transfer portal, check. NIL, primes in every commercial on television. A lot of commercials, it feels like, the start of this football season. I got a feeling, as funny, the first two times that commercial where Nick Saban and where where Prime brings out the Buffalo to help out Nick Saban. It was funny the first two times. I got a feeling after the hundredth time this weekend, not going to be nearly as funny. But NIL, yeah, he capitalizes on that. Alignment, that's a check too. You talk about conference realignment. Prime, he left Jackson State. He goes to Colorado. Colorado was the first team to jump before even Washington and Oregon jumped to the Big Ten. So he's part of that as well. And he knows that he's doing things differently at Colorado. He has the self-awareness to know that's what he's doing. Here he was after the win against TCU. I tell him to turn on the film. We're going to continuously be questioned because we do things that have never been done. That's the way our life has presented themselves. We do things that have never been done, and that makes people uncomfortable. When you see a, a confident black man sitting up here talking his talk, walking his walk, coaching 75% African-Americans in the locker room, that's kind of threatening. Oh, they don't like that. But guess what? We're going to consistently do what we do because I'm here and ain't going nowhere, and I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. Okay. Do you believe? Some things I like about that, some things I don't. What I don't know, what I don't like about it is him talking about how he's about to get comfortable and all that after winning one game. Let's do a little bit more before we're having that type of spike the football moment. But what he is talking about, confident black man with mostly black players on the team, it is a problem in college sports, or at least it's something that we haven't been able to figure out why 75% of the players in the sport are black and, and there just aren't a lot of head coaches that are black at the top level of college football and also in the NFL. So the fact that Dion's doing this and he's black, that is significant, but also the fact that he came from an HBCU and the success he had at an HBCU was translatable to the Power Five is a very significant thing, too, that I think is going to be positive for the sport. And also, the sport, it's in need of some shakeup at the top. Too many Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, too too much of that. Clemson, with Clemson losing last night and what Dion's doing, it, it feels like there's some new blood. There's room for new blood in college football, and that's a very good thing, and Dion represents that, too. My biggest critique, or actually, here's more from Prime, knowing that there's going to continue to be doubters along the way every rung that Colorado climbs. We accomplished that day today. Ain't none of y'all believe that. Maybe a couple of y'all that knew me and know how I get down. They know I, I'm a winner. We're going to end up winning. Ain't none of y'all thought you was going to be sitting up here. You, you were supposed to be on the other side. You know, interviewing that or coming and asking me, well, what happened? You said this and you said that. Yeah. Now what? Now what? Everybody quiet now. Now what? Come here, dog. One win. That's the part that's so frustrating. Do you believe? Because he's going to be so easy to dismiss for some when he loses. That's going to happen. Like, right out of the gate, he's not going to go 12-0. He's not going to win 8 or 9 this year. 
if he goes to a bowl, I think that's such a fantastic achievement. But do you believe when you're 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 spiking the football this early on and talking about Heisman odds or Heisman front runners with your players in week one, that's it it makes it easier to mock. And my biggest critique of him is stop reading what the media is saying. Or at least, you know what? Maybe that's unrealistic. We'd all probably read what people say about us and maybe just don't communicate it publicly. Just like I assume many of you play fantasy football, like WD, WD, you playing fantasy football? Yes, I am. Do you know what I have very little interest in hearing about? Fantasy football. Your fantasy team. No one cares. No one cares about your fantasy team. You could talk to it within people in your league, but go into other people and saying, hell yeah, dude, my fantasy. No one cares. They don't. Just like, with Dion talking here, and I don't think he realizes this. He needs someone in his life to tell him. It just doesn't look good when you're out here talking about, oh, I read what you said, and ha-ha. Do you believe? Not that. That's That doesn't come off well. Nobody really cares about any of that. We understand it. It's hard to ignore it, hard not to read it. But making your press conferences so much about that, what Do you believe? is saying about it, it just makes you look small. It makes you look insecure. And Dion, as a player, was the least insecure athlete I ever saw. Colorado, Nebraska. This week, Matt Rule heading to Boulder for Dion's home opener. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. I've got LL Cool J tickets to bribe people with when we play grammar school in just a minute. B-Dot, six-man of Tar Heel basketball, is joining us now. And could it be that the six-man of Tar Heel basketball was rooting for Duke last night? What emotions were going through you as you were watching the Blue Devils upset Clemson and celebrate with the fans storming the field? Um, none, because the person that I was expecting to play or rooting for to play um, didn't get a chance to see the field last night. Listen, I would never be rooting for Duke. I could have given a damn if that game would have ended in a tie or if all of it would have been abducted by aliens. I didn't give a damn about Duke. I only cared about number 14, Koshan Brown. That's my nephew. And as soon as he gets a chance to show the world what number 14 is about, well, glory, we're going to have a good time, Jack. I but thought, I don't give a damn about no Duke. You know that. I thought you might appreciate this, but on the field, it was Derek Lively, like, trying to facilitate, like, the fans, making sure they're not running onto the field until the final snap. And I was asking, what are you doing here, man? And he's like, my my cousin, man. My cousin, number 53. So he was looking around for him for more than 10 minutes. And yeah, it, was it was funny. It was funny. Huh? Derek Lovell ain't fooling nobody. He back on campus trying to reproduce and fornicate. He know what's going on. That boy just went in the league. <laughs> he then came back to college. Big man on campus. Nice seven foot and he an uh, NBA player. That boy trying to fornicate. Yeah, that that's pr- probably accurate given the situation. Whoa. The way I observed it last night. But it was just funny seeing a guy towering over everyone looking for a player and being unable to find him for about 10 minutes. Okay, Deion Sanders. He... Wins over the weekend against TCU. He has his debut at home against Nebraska and Matt Rule. And right now, I'm looking at ticket prices on StubHub. 
the cheapest ticket is going for $2,025 each or $3,500. And I see a $5,000 ticket that's being sold as well for these games. Or this is just for Saturday and his home debut. Are you still conflicted at all about Deion Sanders, what he's doing at Colorado? You know, it's very interesting how many people keep coming to me with this question as if two things can't be true, as if I can't still um, have feelings towards the way he left the HBCU culture, the way I feel as though he mooched off the HBCU culture. Prime did not have a degree to be a head coach. Who gave him a degree? An HBCU. No P5 teams would allow him to coach. Who did that? An HBCU. And then he left before the team, the players that he even recruited, ever even graduated. So being a product of an HBCU, damn right I had a problem with that. But before Prime was ever the coach at Jackson State, I was a Prime fan, okay? Like I was a Florida State Prime fan. I was a must-be-the-money Prime fan. I was a Falcons Prime fan, a 49ers, Cowboys, Baltimore Ravens, Pastor when he was a preacher, Pastor Prime, when he was on a reality show Prime. Not Washington. I have been a Prime fan, so I'm not going to stop being a Prime fan. I just didn't like the way it seems as though he mooched off the HBCU experience. But without all that being said, Josh, you know me. I'm unapologetically black. I root for everybody black. Deion Sanders is shaking up the college football world on a, on, a, on a level that we haven't seen since the likes of Muhammad Ali. Just going out there, just talking big trash and daring you to back him up. I love what Prime is doing. Because that's it. people are saying, and I heard you earlier, Josh. I heard you. Oh, I have a problem with him. It's just one game, Prime. You're damn right it's one game. Mm-hmm. That's how many games they won all last season. They've do you believe? Total. They've already, do you believe? See, the thing is. What does that mean, TCU, though? If TCU would have beaten uh, uh, Colorado, it would have been a whole another conversation. But because they didn't, because Colorado won, and not just won, I'm talking convincing fashion. You talk about, can he talk about Heisman? Hell yeah. Who else threw for 510 yards, four touchdowns, no picks? Nobody. Shadur Sanders did against a top 25 team. They said he couldn't do it because he just played at HBCU. P5 didn't look much different. You talk about Travis Hunter. We've never seen anybody on the place on the face of this earth to play that many snaps on that level. This man played, and they talk about uh, uh, Charles Woodson. Oh, Charles Woodson would like a moment. No, not even Charles Woodson did this. Charles Woodson played defense on a high level and special teams. This man is playing defense on a high level, guarding your best player, then going on offense, and your best defender has to guard him while he's going out there and mossing you for touchdowns. Yes, we can put his name in the conversation for Heisman early as well. Why not? Well, I, well I'll tell you why not. It's it's uh we don't have Heisman discussions until we have a sample size. We don't have a month. Like uh, this is not like a knock That's of saying like who I I'm not talking about the Heisman trophy until we get to October. That's the point I'm making just because I remember in 2015 when Cam Newton had he was flaunting the way that he was doing it and you you're right to do it. You're 15 and 1, man, you're crushing everybody. But I remember when he lost the Super Bowl. If you're going to talk all that talk, you better sit there and answer the questions too. And he he bailed out after three questions wearing the hoodie. And I love Cam Newton. I mean, few people love Cam Newton more than I do. So I just fear with Dion spiking the football this type of way and setting expectations the way that he's doing it as if there aren't going to be bumps in the road along the way, and it might even be this week against Nebraska that that happens, 
I'm not going to be the one to knock him and say, oh, I told you so if it were to happen, because I expect it. I think, I, right. what does it mean if do you believe? I think it's an amazing achievement in year one if they go bowling. Is Do I believe in that? Yes. But it seems like the way that this conversation has grown, and it's because of the way Dion's framed the message. Do you believe? With as forceful as he's been, that people, I think, are having way too lofty expectations for a team, as you put it well, won one game last year. Well, that's the problem. Um, th well, that's one thing with Prom. He's always going to be boisterous. He said God sent him to save HBCUs, yeah. and then in three years he was gone. So that's prime. Like, you have to be used to that. But the reality is, um, I like the fact that he's holding the media accountable. I don't. He's holding y'all accountable. No he's one holding cares. us accountable. Those guys that care. talk all that stuff and, and, and hide behind those pins and hide behind them. No, he's letting you know. I listen to all of this. I read all of this. And whenever you're saying, I'm going to address it. Like, you loved it when, um, when, when Armando got to the Final Four and he was telling reporters, I saw what you wrote about. Oh, I saw what you wrote about. That's you players. Those are players, Why? though. Those are players. If it's a it coach. It doesn't matter. I, it, it just doesn't seems matter. small. The, it seems the reality small. is they're people. They're people. And too many times the media just jumps out there and says stuff, talks all this stuff and points, points, and the media and, 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 and the, the talent is never supposed to say anything back. They're supposed to be above the fray. Nah, man. Coaches nah, are. Prime ain't playing that. Prime saying, listen, you talk about me, I heard it, I read it, and I'm going to return that same energy when I see you. Don't come up in here now acting like you believe because you didn't. I got um, a question I'm excited to ask you to start things off in grammar school. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. And just when you think it can't get any worse, rah, rah, rah. Josh is going to attempt to learn B dot's vernacular. I'm going to put one in the air. It's time for B dot's grammar school. Nobody better than B dot. Free game, during game, post game. Brought to you by Heritage Hardwood Floors. When it comes to flooring, they have no ceiling. Heritage Hardwood Floors! Heritage when it comes to flooring, floors. they have no ceiling. Welcome to another edition of Grammar School. Okay. If you call us right now at 336-777-1600, just the attempt of me, of you trying to help me with some of BDOT's questions here, will earn you tickets to go see LL Cool J at PNC Arena this coming Sunday. So hey. give us a call at 336 777-1600. Here's the question I'm excited to ask you. Since Colorado's now become essentially an HBCU with the way that it's followed. Oh, what? yeah, Jackson State, Jackson State Buffaloes. That's right. What college town is the University of Colorado located in? Oh, Boulder, baby. Listen, hey. we know everything there is to know about Colorado right now because it's a prime effect, baby. Prime effect. Boulder. And having visited it, it's very pretty. It's also very white. Yeah, I believe it, buddy. Probably the best way uh, to put it. Yeah. Okay, what's the first question you have for me? What does it mean to be hat-fished? Hat-fished. Okay, let me think this one through real quick. It means to be catfished when you think you're talking to somebody else. You're think you're talking to somebody, and it turns out that cute person that you have a crush on via digitally is a dude. That's usually how this thing works. And then you have the show Catfished and Manti Teo and all of that. Hatfished, though. Hmm. 
I'm going to go to C's in Winston-Salem to see if he can help me here. C's. Hatfished. What's it mean? Uh, well, I'm going to go with is when you think somebody got hair and they don't. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I was starting to think, like, is this, like, thinking you got shoes and it turns out, like, it's not, like, legit for, like, hats when you're purchasing them. But I love that even better. Hatfish means you think someone has hair, but they don't. That's correct. Thank you, C's. You're going to go see LL Cool J on Sunday. There you go. That is correct. They go. wear a hat all the time. And you don't know. You think they got a perfectly good set of uh, perfectly strong hair follicles. And then you catch them without that hat. And you see that they got the cul-de-sacs right here on the side. Or they or their hairline is all the way back like Stephen A. Smith. It's excellent. I, I love it. And I appreciate the help to get us started here. If anybody else is willing to help, you could stay on the line. And perhaps we can get to you. And you can correct if I'm wrong. Um later on you could correct if i'm wrong and steal a point to steal tickets so to speak what's the next question cackled cackled if somebody yeah somebody cackled c-a-c-k-l-e-d cackled what did they do cackled means you laugh at somebody you're like laughing at them it's 100 correct josh brown yeah yeah that's a winning score already that's a winning score already that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about. I'm him. I'm him. Oh, oh boy. It's just oh one question, Josh. Just one question. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I already got this grammar school title in the crib. Do you believe? <laughs> okay, what's the last one? What does it mean to get it cracking? Since I've already won, I'm going to use the lifeline just because just so, I want to give away more LL Cool J tickets and hook people up. Sean in Winston-Salem, uh, in case you didn't hear what it was, beat out. what is it again that I'm asking, Sean, Sean, what it is? what does it mean, Sean, to get it cracking? If we get it cracking, what are we doing? <laughs> get it cracking. Uh, this can be used multiple ways. If I was using it, we're going to get it cracking. I'm going to say for the radio, we're going to be moving some furniture, and that's uh, – <laughs> That is a delicate way of saying something. Um, uh, maybe an adult adult activity amongst uh, spouses. Moving. Whoa! I'm hey! Whoa! Cracking. <laughs> That's outstanding. Hey, I appreciate you cleaning that up too. Because they did a great job for that too, man. Because there's numerous ways you can use get it cracking. <laughs> if me and you was about to fight, we'd say, "Yo, let's get it cracking, dear my boy." But if you're with your lady. And you, you know, having some sips of wine, and you say, "Hey, baby, moving some furniture." Cracking. Hey, we moving some furniture, baby. I like that. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that any better. I was expecting them. I was expecting to win the tickets. He'd be like, not thinking about FCC or anything at all, and just being like, <laughs> right. "Oh, that's fornication." That's what we're right, talking right, about. Right, 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 yeah. right. That's. We're talking about sexual intercourse. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, 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 that's what I was imagining from the caller, but I don't think. I appreciate what Sean did there. There you go. That's that's what we call a perfect performance. That's what I was thinking, too, by the way. Get it cracking. You won't believe me, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I bet you were. Let me just say this real please, quick before I please. get out of here. First of all, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> to even to even to even mention that Travis Kelsey could be overrated. He doesn't have to block like the tight ends in the freaking fifties. Those tight ends, they they had just started putting face masks on their helmets. What year Travis was Rob Gronkowski? Travis Kelsey revolutionized the way the the tight end position is played right now. How the only person that you have about blocking is Gronk. That's it. But nobody else can do what Gronk did or can do what Travis Kelsey is doing. Nobody, nobody is fast. Nobody is nimble. Nobody with as good as hands. He gets a thousand yards receiving every freaking year. Josh Graham, that's insane. He's like Steph Curry of football. The way Steph Curry changed point guards for the point guard position. Now you shoot and score and all that. As you're not just a pass first point guard. That doesn't mean Steph Curry is overrated. That means he revolutionized the position a la Travis Kelsey. Tony Gonzalez did everything Travis Kelsey did before Travis Kelsey did it. Tony Gonzalez was yes, I will give you Tony Gonzalez. That was yeah. a great wide receiver. I mean, it was a great tight end. There you yeah. go, great wide. But, but you, but you but would he never say that Tony Gonzalez. You would never say Tony Gonzalez is overrated. No, no, no. Well, all I said was he's overrated when you start saying he's one of the best tight ends ever. I don't think he is because he is. He's because he's many of these other guys who were great catch, pass catchers were also blockers, and that matters. How many championships did Tony Gonzalez have? Those things matter. Uh, he, yeah, he was part of that twenty-eight to three team. That wasn't necessarily his fault. <laughs> Those things matter, Josh Graham. It matters when Tra- Travis Kelsey is one of the reasons why you win a Super Bowl, and Tony Gonzalez doesn't have a Super Bowl. There's a reason there. And lastly, I would like to say, okay. North Forsyth Vikings. North Forsyth is the only team that I ever scored a touchdown on in my entire high school career playing at Grimsley. Describe North it. Forsyth, what, what was the we play? It was a curl route. It was like um, it was like second and goal from the seven. I caught like a five-yard curl route, put a little move on, buddy, faked inside, and went back outside and ran for two extra yards and got into the end zone. North I'll never Sime. forget that. Send me some Viking gear. I'll Do wear some Viking believe? gear. Yes. Do you believe? Do you believe? <laughs> Love you, bro. I'll talk to you next week. Love y'all, man.